So we're talking about uh, the different kinds of prayer. And uh, the last three weeks we've been, we've been discussing. And uh, today we're going to look at a few more. And then we will switch the dimension a little bit to talk about other ways that we can actually pray. Now, I remember, I think last week or two weeks ago, I I did say something like, you know, the the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17, pray without ceasing. And Jesus speaking in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, he said, men always ought to pray and not to faint. And uh, I remember saying that if what we call prayer today with all the physical exertions and uh, and the activity and all of that if that is what god had in mind when those scriptures were written then it means that it is practically impossible for us to adhere to those scriptures because um i mean for some persons prayer is speaking in tongues for a particular number of hours now we're going to talk about speaking in tongues i think from next week we will look we'll take an in-depth study into speaking in tongues um but if if what people really call today prayer is is what the bible intended when it talked about praying without ceasing then it, it it means that god has given us a standard that is impossible for us to keep and so that begins to make us think and say okay what what are we getting wrong about prayer like 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 we've been seeing through the weeks prayer basically is communion with god okay let's it, it's as simple as that it's communion with god prayer is not uh it's not in the exertions jesus said uh you are not going to be heard for multitude of words um prayer basically is communion with god and communion means that there is a flow of communication going both ways it's not just one way so um people spend six hours you know um doing what i don't know sometimes what to call it okay basically yelling at god and screaming and saying all of those things and they come out and i'm going to be honest with us i've done i've done everything i'm talking about here are things that i've done at one point or the other in my life but i'm going to be honest with you about two things i noticed that number one there was really no spiritual satisfaction the only satisfaction i got was the psychological satisfaction making me feel like yeah i am spiritual i prayed in tongues for three hours i prayed in tongues for six hours but at the end of the day you know there was really never that spiritual satisfaction it was more like all of these things were to just create a feel good factor because i heard a preacher say Uh, i speak in tongues for this long and i felt like okay well i'm a preacher too and i should be able to speak in tongues for that long now that was one of the issues i found out about it that spending all those hours now don't get me wrongly i'm i'm going to balance this thing but 
spending all of those hours shouting in tongues and doing all of that stuff I, i discovered it wasn't really helping me spiritually and secondly i discovered that it was really hard to keep up with like um it was a struggle it was a drag okay being consistent was just really difficult but the bible says pray without season okay now if it's something we are supposed to do then why do many of us find it so difficult to maintain what many people will call a consistent prayer life why do many christians find it so difficult it is because for the majority of believers out there we are not approaching prayer the way god expects us to approach prayer prayer is communion with god and i used this example two weeks ago i said it's like a couple um or or not not just a couple a family maybe maybe your father your mother your your children okay you live in in the same house and of course during the day they go to school you go to work and stuff like that and then maybe the entire day you only got to speak over dinner like when you were having dinner and then you spoke for maybe 10 15 minutes and that was all the communication you had for that day now don't you think that it will be um ridiculous if someone reduced your relationship and your fellowship and your communion to those 15 minutes that you spent during at dinner think about it i'm trying to create a, 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 a very practical picture okay the whole day you only spend 15 minutes together during dinner and you say oh how was your day this that 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 that, that. and but somehow you still feel like you have a healthy relationship in the family even though both of you were busy all day and you could not spend six seven eight hours together you only spent 10 15 minutes together at dinner but somehow you still believe that there is a bond there is fellowship there is communion now that your unbreaking communion is consistent it does not matter if you guys got to speak that day or not i have not spoken with my mother today okay i have not like literally spoken with her today but there is still um there is a relationship and there is communion between us so the 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 thing is we need to approach prayer as god is our father and we are fellowshipping with him now i am not saying it's like a couple right um every once in a while couples will go out on a date okay or go out on vacation together have that extra amount of time together just to have a good time together families do it couples do it and it's great and it's the same way even with god okay there are times that you decide i want to set apart two three days i want to set apart one week and i just want to commune with god and it's fantastic and i believe that every believer should do that you may not have the luxury of one week but you can do two three days or you can just take a weekend you know I, I believe that every believer should do this but it would be it would be wrong for us to limit our communion with god to our ability to do that now why am i saying all of these things it's because the way prayer is being taught today it has made the average believer to feel like 
they cannot really have a consistent prayer life and so prayer has to be for maybe ministers or prayer warriors and be like i've tried it i've tried it i've tried it and i can't be consistent you know i i decide uh okay every day i wake up at 6 a.m and pray for one hour i tried it for the first one week and then after the second week i could not be consistent and there are many people today discouraged with their prayer life because preachers have sort of set a kind of standard out there and and these standards are not scriptural now there are people that can spend six hours in the presence of god and have a great time with god i'm not saying every lengthy prayer is not prayer no there are people that can fellowship with god for hours but there are some of you for instance because of the nature of your work it is just practically impossible or you are a nursing mother it is just practically impossible to keep some kind of schedules you can't wake up at night to pray you can't pray whenever you like because the baby is trying to get your attention so what happens to the spiritual lives of these kinds of persons there are people that work 16 to 18 hours a day okay and they may not be able to take one or two hours to pray the only time they have is just enough time to eat and sleep and get set for the next day so does it mean that people like this are doomed does it mean that people like this cannot enjoy communion with god so you see you see some of the issues with the way that prayer has been taught today i i had a a very interesting discussion with someone and basically she was making reference to a teaching by a certain man of god whom i love okay i love this man of god i have nothing against him i love him i respect him i have not met him in person but we have we have mutual friends and i think he's a i think he's a great guy i think he's a i think i think he's a really uh, really cool guy um but yeah uh he he made a statement that I know it's going to sound ridiculous, but yeah, he made the statement that uh, when praying for mercy, that there is something about three o'clock. When you pray for mercy by three o'clock, that makes God sort of respond to you. I don't know whether more favorably or faster. And I was incensed by that statement. You are telling me that people that are able to pray for mercy at three o'clock have an advantage over people that pray for mercy at one (laughs) o'clock you know it is ridiculous what is going on in the body of christ Um, now first of all at every given hour it is three o'clock somewhere else in the world at every given hour okay so that already debunks that that falsehood but when you think about it there are people that are not never going to be able to keep up with these man-made standards and i think satan has used it to discourage people to make them feel like they cannot really have a prayer life I've also heard about, or I I believe everybody here has heard about midnight prayer and how midnight prayers are powerful. Now, let me say this. Let me just say something here. 
I'm not against midnight prayers. I, I do it. I do it. Uh, primarily, I, I pray at night because there's less distraction. Uh, the noise is gone. The environment is usually quiet. Okay, so I pray at night. I pray at night primarily because it is more quiet. Not because I think it gives me an advantage with God. Not because I think God will hear me faster or better because I prayed at night. And I was telling a few friends today, I said, are you aware that every at every given point in time, it is midnight somewhere else in the world? At every given point in time, it is midnight somewhere else in the world. So what is the logic behind the statement that midnight prayers are powerful? Look, if you are trying to discipline your flesh, Okay, if you are trying to discipline your flesh, that is great. But we are Christians. You know, uh, people say Paul and Silas prayed at midnight. It was circumstantial. It was circumstantial. Uh, there, There is no place where we are instructed to pray at any given hour of the day. Please, let's understand this. There is no place in the Bible. Don't let anybody... Uh, make you feel guilty or make you feel like your spiritual life or your prayer life is not efficient because you are not praying at certain hours or because uh, you are not praying through the night for god's sake if you are a medical doctor or a nurse it's going to be really difficult for you to do night prayers because it's either you are doing night duty or if you are doing day shift at night, you have to be sleeping. It's going to be really difficult for people that are in certain professions to do night prayers. So does this mean that they are automatically at a spiritual disadvantage? I, I, I really hate it when people make uh doctrines out of personal revelations and for those of us that have been attending this bible study you know i have been hitting on it they are personal revelations no doubt about it and i am never going to argue with somebody's personal revelation i was not there when god gave it to you but by the time you begin to preach it to the body of christ i take it as my responsibility to demand scripture if you cannot give me at least two scriptures that unequivocally say this we cannot make it a doctrine okay so i i hope we're following tonight so now before jesus thought about what prayer was he said a lot about what prayer was in so we are saying what prayer is and we are also it's also important that we address what prayer isn't people make statements like well it works um witchcraft works cultism works if it wasn't working people would not do it so simply because a thing works doesn't mean that god endorses it Okay, this whole the end justifies the means. It's not scriptural. Simply because a thing works, simply because people get results from something does not mean it is endorsed by God. The Muslims pray with their beads and they believe that it works. The Catholics pray with their rosary and they believe it works. Catholics pray to angels. They pray to Mary. They pray to saints and they believe that it works. Uh white garment people take people to the stream and flog them and bathe them and use brooms to 
chase demons out of them and they use scented candles and they use all of these things and they believe that it works so if we are going to say ah ah okay yeah this thing is a mystery and it works so what makes us think all those other people are wrong okay what what makes us think all those other people are wrong we need to always make sure that the things we practice are captured within the framework of scripture because the 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 lack of this guideline is the reason why cults are formed and then when you see certain denominations and you see certain churches and you see the things they practice and then you're wondering are these people blind it is when people take personal revelations and make doctrines out of them then cults are formed now let's look at uh, our anchor scripture for this james chapter 5 and from verse 13 it says is any among you suffering let him pray is any cheerful let him sing psalms is any among you sick let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the lord and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins he will be forgiven Verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So Elijah was not superman. He was a human being like us. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit now um, before we proceed tonight there is a kind of prayer that i want to i want to just touch on very quickly and then we will quickly look at the other kinds of prayer now in the text that we just read in verse 16 please take a look it says confess your trespasses or your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed pray for one another pray for one another now uh, let's go to first john first john chapter 5 and verse 16 first john chapter 5 and verse 16 it says if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death there is a sin leading to death i do not say that he should pray for that so this scripture is telling us that if you see somebody your brother who not biological now that's a believer committing a sin that is not unto death you should pray for him and give him life now let's look at john chapter 20 and verse 23 
these are some uh, scriptural principles that i just want us to take note of before we continue tonight john chapter 20 and verse 23 it says if you forgive the sins of any they are forgiven them if you retain the sins of any they are retained these are the words of jesus okay if you forgive the sins of any they are forgiven them if you retain the sins of any they are retained now these are some of the scriptures that the catholics have built the whole confession uh doctrine around okay where people go and confess to a priest and then the priest say i forgive you of your sins okay and in some sense it is scriptural even though it has been abused but the bible is actually trying to teach us something here that if we see a fellow believer in sin okay we can actually and we should actually pray for the person okay and 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 give that person life and so that the person can can be restored uh, the bible says that if you see uh, one of your brothers tumble okay restore such a person in the spirit of meekness lest he also be tempted and so this is a very imp- uh, important uh, you know scriptural principle that we need to practice more but today in the body of christ when we see people do dumb stuff what we do is criticize them but the bible says that we should pray for them the bible teaches us and there are scriptures that we should pray for them okay so now let's get back to kinds of prayers uh we looked at intercession we looked at supplication we looked at the prayer of faith in depth last week uh and we did touch the prayer of agreement in relation to the prayer of faith and we also touched a bit the prayer of consecration so today we're going to talk uh the prayer of unity the prayer of commitment and uh we'll we'll just take it from there now the prayer of unity what makes the prayer of unity different from the prayer of agreement the prayer of agreement usually is uh is the prayer of faith or a prayer of petition made between two or more persons okay so the prayer of agreement is usually a prayer of petition it's usually a prayer of petition or the prayer of faith but the prayer of unity uh, can be the prayer of supplication or intercession and i believe that uh, it is one reason why satan tries to sow the seed of disunity in the body of christ uh, the bible says in 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 genesis chapter 11 i think verse 6 where god looked from heaven and where they were building the tower of babel he said behold this people is one and there is nothing that they have imagined in their heart that will be impossible for them the bible says that a threefold cord cannot be easily broken there is power in unity but how can you make a prayer of unity if you are divided okay uh so the prayer of unity is a very vital kind of prayer for the church uh let's look at acts chapter 4 and verse 23 acts chapter 4 and verse 23 it says and being let go they went to their own companions or their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them so when they heard that 
they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. And if you if you read all the way to verse 31, let's go to verse 31. It says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So this is a scriptural example of the prayer of unity. Another example is Second Corinth, Second uh, Chronicles, rather, chapter seven and verse fourteen, uh, where the Bible says that if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then will I forgive their sins and I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. That scripture is actually referring to the prayer of unity. It's referring to a joint prayer where everybody is united in making supplications to god okay and something like that happened in uh, the story of jonah jonah went and uh, prophesied doom to nineveh and the entire nation came together and they fasted and prayed seven days in repentance and god told jonah look i can't destroy these guys anymore okay so the prayer of unity is powerful but you see one reason why the church in Nigeria is not getting as much result as it should when we pray is because although we may be coming together to pray under the same roof, uh, our interests are divided. So, for instance, you are in the church and then you are praying, oh God, do this and that and that for nigeria and then you have the pdp people there trying to protect their own interest and you have the apc people there trying to protect their own interest and then you have all the parties trying to protect their own interest and the people who have someone in government or close to power believe that no this government is doing excellently well and should not be changed while the other people that have people far away from power think that okay this government needs to change and so although we are doing a lot of praying we are not speaking with one voice we are not speaking with one voice. We are not speaking the same language. And, and this, this is one of the reasons why, uh, although we've been doing a lot of praying, we are not seeing the change at the degree of the praying that we are doing. Okay? And until the body of Christ in Nigeria says, we don't care about party lines, we don't care about about ethnic lines we only care that the counsel of god concerning our nation is done uh we are we are, we are not going to go very far with our praying but believe me i have seen the prayer of unity work okay while while we were on campus there were several times we were pressed to the wall uh we were persecuted on campus the school i went to uh first it was the the head of the Catholic, uh, this thing, Father Iyeri, and they really didn't want other fellowships on campus. And they persecuted us. Like, people will be singing on stage and security will come and bundle them to security unit and lock them up. Uh, uh, somebody will be preaching on the pulpit and they'll come and bundle him, you know, and, and things like that. And I had, I, they never bundled me actually, but I, I had confrontations with them several times. 
and uh, every time I, I usually ask them can you do this in the mosque can you actually do this in the mosque <laughs> you know um, but yeah we, 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 we faced persecution in our only two way and I remember one time the dean of student affairs was he was a thorn in our flesh they said they wanted to scrap every other fellowship on campus uh, to remain only Catholic FCS and which other one you know and uh we're like for god's sake the school has so many other pressing issues why why are they so determined to to scrap fellowships how is it bothering them you know and one morning we were praying and i led i led the the uh, you know the christian community not the entire christian community just about 120 of us okay that morning and we were praying and i said lord that dean of student affairs keep him busy keep him so busy that he will not remember to bother the body of christ again ever again and we prayed and we were united in our praying and the next week the man came down with a stroke and i hate to say this but he eventually died and um, i don't feel sorry for it because if as a believer or as a christian as somebody that goes to church your priority is to is to um silence the body of christ then you should be silenced really you should be silenced um i i hate to see people die but if you are the enemy of the church and you are going to stand in the way of the gospel then uh, you should be removed by any means any kind of relocation is fine either relocated to another town or relocated to another realm completely but any kind of relocation is completely fine okay but i've seen this work okay anytime believers are actually united so when we talk of the prayer of unity we are not saying we are all under one roof and we are all praying to the same prayer point. I am saying united in desire, united in language, united in what they are doing. Whenever believers come together and they are united, the devil is terrified because it is a very, very, very powerful form of prayer it's very 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 powerful unfortunately today we have can we have pfn and most of these bodies are just political we need them for political purposes but i wish it was more than that i wish that we all actually had the same voice i wish we we all agreed on at least uh a few things that we can push forward in prayer before god but you know uh one set one set of persons are praying uh, for a change of government another set of persons are praying for the government to to be stabilized you know one set of persons are praying for for nigeria to no longer depend on oil another set of persons are praying for the oil business to boom you said so 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 these are some of the reasons really why we are not getting as much results as we need to because we still have so many personal interests christ and the kingdom uh, is not at the forefront of our interest and these are some of the reasons why although it looks like we are gathering and we are praying but we don't seem to get results because our hearts and our desires are not united all right 
now there is another kind of prayer which is called the prayer of commitment or prayer of committing something into the hands of god and now usually uh this kind of praying is done when you've done every other thing that you ought to do okay you've done every other thing that you ought to do and uh you are just really trusting god for the best outcome now let's look at first peter chapter 5 and verse 7 first peter chapter 5 and verse 7 it says casting all your care upon him for he cares for you casting all your care upon him for he cares for you so uh it's just like uh let's put it this way you applied for a job you trusted god you you did the exams you prayed for success you wrote the exams you studied you did everything that you're supposed to do now what do you do next you don't go about uh, praying about it all over and all over again and even if you get a report that seems to be contrary just cast all of that care upon god and say father i'm casting this particular care right now this thing that is bothering me okay so you you do this when a particular matter is really bothering you and you've prayed about it you've done everything that you're supposed to do about it and you just say lord i am casting this now this is something that you do deliberately you don't you don't uh it does not happen by accident and say lord i am casting this care upon you and i thank you because i know that you care for me and i have left this thing in your hands and i trust you to handle it better than anybody else could and then um of course there is thanksgiving but i'm not going to go into it today we have an entire teaching on thanksgiving uh understanding thanksgiving if you have not listened to it please try and get it it will bless you now let's look at daniel chapter 10. there's something very important that we need to look at with regards to prayer let's look at daniel chapter 10 uh, most of us know the story daniel was praying and then the answers to his prayer uh were blocked by the prince of persia daniel chapter 10 from verse 11 it says and he said to me O daniel man greatly beloved understand the words that i speak to you and stand upright for i have now been sent to you while he was speaking these words to me i stood trembling then he said to me do not fear daniel for from the first day now take note of these words please from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your god your words were heard the very first day and i have come because of your words but the prince of the kingdom of persia withstood me 21 days and behold michael one of the chief princes came to help me for i had been left alone there with the king of persia so uh you know uh let's look at another scripture before before i before i get into this let's look at uh, first thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 18 it says therefore we wanted to come to you even i paul time and again but satan hindered us but satan hindered us 
okay now why is this important uh take note of what the angel said to daniel from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before god your prayers were heard and i have been sent because of your prayers however the prince of persia withstood me for 21 days until further help came so daniel kept praying for 21 days even though his prayer had been heard on the first day now i know a lot of persons have used this to formulate a doctrine that uh satan can hinder the answers to our prayers and so and that is true paul said it that satan hindered him paul the apostle paul he said satan hindered us what do you do in such a case when because when you make the prayer of faith like i've been saying you make this prayer once and the bible says believe that you receive and you have so when you believe you receive and you have but it's not in your hands what do you do first you need to discern okay it's important you discern first of all that it is not god that has refused to answer your prayers it is an enemy that is hindering you from receiving the answers to your prayers that's number one number two what do you do you don't keep pleading with god to send another answer when he has already sent the answer and this is where we are different from daniel because daniel did not have authority over the enemy now let's look at matthew chapter 18 matthew chapter 18 and verse 18 it says assuredly i say to you whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven and i tell people everyone that cares to listen that this scripture is not talking about heaven where god is because you cannot what is what what is in god's environment that you can bind or that you need to bind okay this scripture is talking about spiritual warfare take note of the context take note of the context uh verse 19 jesus said again i say to you if two of you shall agree on earth concerning anything that they ask it will be done for them by my father which is in heaven so jesus was talking about prayer jesus was talking about prayer so when you know that satan is hindering the answers to your prayers what do you do you take authority over the devil it's no longer uh between you and god it is between you and the devil and this is where we miss it a lot of times you've believed god for money and you've believed god for money you've prayed but the money is not forthcoming what do you do you talk to the devil you tell him satan take your hands off my finances in the name of jesus you've trusted god for healing and your body is still showing you symptoms what do you do you don't go back and 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 pray to god and say lord heal me heal me heal me no god has already healed you but you are not seeing the manifestation in your body what do you do you talk to the devil 
daniel did not have this opportunity or this privilege but we do you speak to the devil and say satan take your hands off my body in the name of jesus this body belongs to the lord jesus christ you have no place here and you have no power over me and we need to learn to do this more because a lot of times satan has us talking to god when he's the one we should be talking to jesus was very clear in mark eleven twenty three. he said whosoever shall say to this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he says jesus said speak to the mountain Tell the mountain where to go. Speak to the mountain. And we don't do this enough in the body of Christ. There there is a time to talk to God. But we should know when to talk to God and when to speak to the mountain. We should know when to speak to God and when to address the hindrance. I hope somebody is understanding me tonight. So a lot of times God has done everything that he will do about our situation. But we need to take authority. Now, there's a story about Kenneth Hagin. It's in his book, I believe, in Visions and in, in some other books. He was talking about one time he had uh, an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were talking. And Jesus was saying some things to him about our authority as believers. Okay, And then the next thing, a demon. Now, take note of this. A demon came and stood between him and jesus the demon was not afraid of jesus (laughs) the demon came and stood between him and jesus and spread like a smoke screen and 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 then was jumping up and down and making just making now yakety yak yak yakety yak yak yakety yak yak yakety yak yak you know just so that he couldn't hear And, and and he said to his surprise jesus kept talking and and he was getting upset that is jesus not seeing this demon why is he not doing anything about it but jesus kept talking jesus kept talking and you know out of frustration he rebuked the demon the demon fell to the floor and started crying and he told him to get out and the demon fled and he told jesus he said why didn't you do anything about the demon and jesus said something to him he said if you had not done anything about that demon i couldn't have and Kenneth Hagin said, no, 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 wait a minute. Do you mean that you wouldn't have? Jesus said, no, I couldn't have. And Kenneth Hagin said, you are going to have to give me scriptures. And Jesus said, well, in my word, I said, give no place, give no place to the devil. All right. So the, the place Satan takes in our lives is only the one we give to him. And then the Bible also says that resist the devil. I think James chapter four, verse seven, and he will flee. Jesus said it is our responsibility to resist the devil, not his responsibility. He's already done everything that he's going to do about the devil. And, and then Jesus also told him about the scripture in, in I think, Matthew chapter 28, where, where he said, I, I think verse 18, where, where he said, All power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Go ye therefore uh, and make disciples. And Jesus said that when I received that power, I gave it to you and I delegated the authority to you. So it is our duty to deal with the devil. We need to stop praying for God to deal with the devil. Jesus already defeated Satan. The Bible makes us understand understand in colossians chapter 2 i think from verse 13 that he made an open show of them triumphing over them in it 
okay jesus has defeated the devil and he has given us that right of victory so if satan comes around it is our responsibility to silence him it is our responsibility to address him we should not be praying to god to talk to the devil it's like praying to god to talk to the mountain so that the mountain can get out of your way okay we speak to the mountain we talk to the devil we address the devil so when you begin to experience hindrances especially when you have checked we're going to talk about hindrances to prayer okay we're going to talk about hindrances to prayer uh but when when you have checked and you see that it's not any fault on your end you are walking in love you have prayed in faith um you know you are not living in sin and you know that there is no scriptural reason why your prayers should be hindered or why why the answers to your prayers should be hindered um you need to begin to talk to the devil satan take your hands off my finances satan take your hands off my health satan take your hands off my marriage satan take your hands off my children satan take your hands off my career we need to learn to do that is somebody being blessed tonight big man wrote uh someone someone once said the fight of faith is the fight from victory not for victory absolutely yes we are fighting from a position of victory not from a position of defeat and it's important that believers understand this okay uh so basically we are fighting to keep what we already have we are not fighting uh to have something we are not fighting to have something so it's like uh uh, how how do i put it anyway yeah so we're we're fighting from position of victory not from a position of defeat Uh, we are not fighting to gain victory we are fighting because we are victorious and we are maintaining our victory Now, uh, last week we talked a little bit about praying with the mind. And uh, I, I just want to talk a bit about it again today as we wrap up. Now, let's look at uh, Romans chapter 7 and verse 25. Paul speaking said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh... The law of sin. So Paul is saying, with the mind, I serve the law of God. And in uh, Luke chapter 2, let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 36. It says, and there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score and four years, which departed not from the temple, but take note of this, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. So fasting and prayer is considered serving God. And Paul said that I serve God with my mind. Now let's look at... uh, psalm 19 and verse 14 it says let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight O lord my strength and my redeemer 
and like we saw last week in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 1 to 5 where I explained uh, let's read it for those of us that were not here Nehemiah chapter 2 from verse 1 to 5 Nehemiah chapter 2 from verse 1 to 5 it says and it came to pass in the month of Nisan in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes when wine was before him that I took the wine and gave it to the king now i have never been sad in his presence before therefore the king said to me why is your face sad since you are not sick this is nothing but sorrow of heart so i became dreadfully afraid and said to the king may the king live forever why should my face not be sad when the city the place of my father's tombs lies waste and its gates are burned with fire then the king said to me what do you request now take note, verse 4 says, The king said to me, What do you request? And Nehemiah said, So I prayed to the God of heaven. Now if you had just said, So I prayed, some persons may have said, eh, Well, prayer is a legal term. It might have meant praying to the king. But it's clear that I prayed to the God of heaven. And then I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. So between the question of the king and the answer of Nehemiah, there was a prayer. And like I explained last week, if everything we call prayer today is what Nehemiah calls prayer, then there would have been a problem. Because Nehemiah was already afraid that the king even saw him sad. And then the king says, what do you want? And then he says, hold on now, I need to go to my closet and pray. Or, uh, hold on now, and then he kneels down. All right, I have the answer now. Oh, king, this is what we should do. No. Whatever happened here happened in a few seconds. And it means that Nehemiah, like David, understood the power of the mind. The mind is a powerful tool. Now, when we understand how powerful the mind is, then we will actually understand how it is possible to pray without season. Okay? Then we will understand how it is possible to pray without season. We can program our mind to the point that even our subconscious mind is praying. I don't know who has experienced this before, but has anybody started praying from their sleep before? I don't know if anybody else here has experienced it, but if you have, just let us know. Okay, from inside your sleep, you were praying. Now, it wasn't your conscious mind. It was your subconscious mind. Because when you are asleep, your consciousness is suspended. It's your subconscious mind that is functioning, okay? But there is a way we can program... All right, great. There is a way we can program ourselves that our minds are in constant communication with God, even when our mouth isn't. Okay, so when the Bible says pray without season, all right, um, if, if, if it means speak in tongues without season, then all of us have failed. <laughs> you know, and, and I know people try to ask people, how long do you pray daily? You know, and, and I understand some of these questions are sincere and they want to basically find out you know uh what you do to grow spiritually but i i think everybody should be more concerned about what god wants them to do than what the next man is doing but sometimes people actually ask these questions because they want to size you up okay they feel like if he prays two hours and i pray for hours and i've got to be more anointed than him but it doesn't work like that 
it doesn't work like that uh dl moody the famous dl moody um uh that that the, the moody bible institute is named after that millions of souls came to christ through him he spent a 20 minutes praying and 25 minutes studying that's 45 minutes praying and studying combined and he made such an impact as he made in this world uh, uh casey price uh, speaks in tongues for 30 minutes and confesses the word for 30 minutes okay uh you, you know so you, you really can and, and i know people that pray for 12 hours and six hours and the only thing they have to show for it is that they tell us that they've prayed for that long okay so so it's important when it comes to prayer that we understand what god's template is for our lives because i i am more concerned about people being discouraged from praying simply because uh people have set this really high standard that it, it it looks unattainable they tell you if if you can't speak in tongues for one hour you are not a serious christian or if you're a minister and you can't speak in tongues daily for three hours you are not serious you're not ready for ministry i've heard these things i've heard people say them okay if you can't do this you are not serious if you can't do that you are not serious and then when we ask them for chapter and verse they tell us that we have a devil because we are asking for chapter and verses you see but the truth is this the bible says pray without season the only way we can pray without season is to have our spirits and our minds constantly in communion with god to the point that even when our mouths are not saying anything there is a constant flow of information and revelation god is talking to us and we are talking to him and god is talking to us and we are talking to him god is talking to us you know that is that is what we need to try to attain not trying to spend as much hours as possible more than your neighbor <laughs> okay anyway we hear lots of things in the body of christ today and again let, let me just make this clear some of these people that say these things are well-meaning some of them that say these things maybe it's a personal revelation but it is wrong it doesn't matter if you are well-meaning or it's a personal revelation it is wrong to try to make it a doctrine that is wrong that is wrong jesus taught us about prayer paul taught us about prayer and i think we have enough in the bible for us to understand what god's mind on the subject of prayer is okay so uh, prayer is communion like i said you may not always have the time to spend lots of hours with the person you love to talk but there is a way a bond can be really strong that even a one-line text okay just a one-line text will go a very long way there are times i there are times i can spend hours and hours you know just praying in the spirit and talking to god uh, two three four five hours it depends but there are times that 10 15 minutes okay that's that's all the time i have and and i talk to god and i don't feel less like a christian i don't feel less anointed i don't feel as a matter of fact some of the biggest miracles i have seen in my life and in my ministry came after very short prayers some of my most powerful ministrations came when i did not even pray at all 
I am not trying to downplay the importance of prayer. I am saying that, you know, we must not give prayer the credit. God is the doer of all things at the end of the day. Prayer is communion. Prayer is not a strategy to shake God into doing what he was not planning on doing or to blackmail God or to remind God of things that he has forgotten or to inform God since he doesn't read newspaper and he doesn't have CNN and to tell him what is going on. You know, that is not what prayer is designed to be. God created man in the Garden of Eden and man had communion with God. So when you think about what Adam and Eve had with God, think about that. Then think about prayer. That is what prayer is designed to be. We are going to be praying for all eternity. Why? Because we are going to be communing with God for all eternity. But the Bible is clear that whether there be tongues, they shall cease. So tongues will cease. Okay, so if speaking in tongues is prayer, then it it will cease. Then it means that we will have no communion with God in eternity. But we will constantly have communion with God in eternity. But this communion is not gimme, 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 gimme. It's not die, 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 die. It's just communion with God. Okay, so um, we need to reanalyze and re-examine our concept of prayer because until we do it god's way we will remain frustrated there are people that can with ease speak in tongues six hours daily because they have the time their their lives are completely committed to, to the ministry and because god has given them the grace to do it god may not have given you the grace to do it and you you may not have the time to do it but if if those people become your standard and if they if they become your yardstick for spirituality then you are going to begin to feel less about yourself because of a standard that someone else set for you not because of its standard that the scripture and the word of god or the spirit of god set for us next week we're going to talk about speaking in tongues and we're going to uh, we're going to analyze why it is important and some of the common uh, misconceptions and some of the common uh, objections to speaking in tongues. Like uh, in Acts chapter 2, when they spoke in tongues, people understood them. Why is it that these tongues that we are speaking today, nobody's understanding us? Don't worry, we'll deal with all of that. We, we'll deal with all of that next week. Uh, some, sorry, big man asked, is prayer and wishes alike? Uh, no, prayer is not a wish. Prayer has its base in desire. And I believe that desire is stronger than wish. Uh, for instance, right now, I wish I can have a big bowl of ice cream. Okay, but I can't for so many reasons. I have a stuffy nose, but I wish I can have a big bowl of ice cream. That is not prayer okay uh desire uh desire is a bit deeper and uh and then a desire alone is not enough the bible says whatsoever things you desire when you pray okay uh so so it's not enough to to just desire that desire needs to be expressed okay it needs to be expressed in prayer so no uh, prayer and wishes are not the same thing Yes, Mr. Ola. Uh, Anna, yes, Anna in uh, in uh, Luke chapter Luke chapter 2, it says that Anna served God day and night in the temple with prayer and, and fasting. Yes, and I did say that uh, praying and fasting is also a way to serve God. 
especially when it comes to prayer of intercession and supplication for the saints. It is very important to, uh, to pray for the saints. Even Paul, in all his uh, might as an apostle, uh, he said, he constantly said, pray for us, pray for us, pray for us, pray for us. So there are times that you may not have money to support a ministry. There are times you may not have the proximity to go there and and sweep the floor or mop the floor or wash the toilets. You know, if you can and you desire to do so, by all means do so. But let's say you are here and you want to be a blessing to to Benihin and his ministry. And you cannot be in in florida to physically serve you do not have the finances to be a partner to his ministry what you can do is you can pray for him you can you can pray for him and that before god is considered an act of service which is which is uh, heavily rewarded and desirable by god okay so um yes uh, it's a very it's a very valid act of service praying Big man said his prayer and positive confession alike. Uh, no. And yes. It depends on how you're looking at it. Now, sorry, excuse me. Now, in, in Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus was in some sense talking about confession. He said, Whatsoever, uh, he said, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. That is different. And then in verse 24, he now said, Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So confession is quite different. Okay? It can be a part of our prayer in in the sense of making the prayer of faith like i said abraham uh, the, the the bible says that abraham was not weak in faith he was strong in faith giving glory to god so uh, because a lot of times maybe when you've prayed about something and then the evidence seems to be contrary to the prayer that you have made what do you do you thank god for it and you keep a positive confession but you have already prayed so a confession is a different system from prayer it's a different uh it's a different spiritual system from prayer okay confession basically is uh is exercising your faith and and strengthening your own faith and uh and 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 speaking out the things that that you want to see okay and 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 just saying the things that you want to see so no uh prayer and confession are, are quite different Yes, when we, when we confess things, we will get results. But again, it's not only prayer that brings about results. Uh, there are so many other things that we do that bring results. If you give, you get results. It doesn't mean you prayed. Okay? Should prayer and confession always go together? I think the prayer of faith and confession should always go together uh, because faith, uh, confession is a vital part uh, confession is a vital part of of uh, of faith. In Second Corinthians, it, it it says that we all having the same spirit of faith, as it is written, uh, we have believed. Therefore, have we spoken? We also believe. Therefore, speak. So, speaking that's that confession is a vital part of faith. It is proof of faith. Confession is proof of faith. So, the confession and the prayer of faith, yes, work hand in hand because speaking or confession 
and faith are uh, are are components that that work together. Now, Grace is asking, is prophesying also alike to prayer? Uh, no. Uh, again, it, it depends on our definition of prayer. But prophesying basically is a, is a God-inspired utterance in a known language. So, the reason I stress the no is because uh, we have constantly said that prayer is a two-way thing, right? It's communion with God. There are times we can pray and then God's response to us will come in the form of a prophetic word okay so that's why i stressed the no uh, let's look at uh, second chronicles second chronicles chapter 20 okay um it's it's basically about how how ammon moab and edom came against the children of israel and then jehoshaphat went and prayed before god and the answer to his prayer came in verse 14. It says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the son of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. Now you see, so Jehoshaphat prayed. And God was giving him the answer to his prayer, but it came in the form of a prophetic word. Okay? So, thus said the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up to the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Okay? Um, and, and then the other instructions followed. So, uh, so it, it's really not a plain yes or no answer if by prophecy you mean a, an inspired word from god then yes sometimes uh it can it can balance the equation of our praying when you've talked to god about something and then god is speaking back to you okay but um a lot of what is called prophecy today is nothing close to prayer at all um, big man is asking our prayers are unto god is our confession unto god as well well yes god does like to hear a positive confession uh in uh numbers 18 18 he said uh 18 18 or 14 28 that very i think 14 28 he said verily as you have said in my ears so shall i do unto you but our confession is mostly for us and for our environment and for the atmosphere and for the spiritual forces okay um uh confession the word confess actually means homologio in the in the greek it's it's a compound word which means homo that's the same and logos which is word so basically confession means saying the same thing so if god has said something concerning you keep saying the same thing well what confession does is it honors god when you say the same thing that god has said about you uh and uh it also strengthens your faith and then of course there are laws in the in the in the atmosphere and in the universe that respond to the words of our mouth so confession is not so much as unto god even though it honors god but uh it doesn't really do much for god it is more about us and the system that we live in and then of course god is committed to honoring 
our confession the, the bible says that uh death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof so it's 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 actually a system like i said the 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 realm of confession is a completely different system from from how prayer works okay confession is more in the faith arena where uh you 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 say you 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 get what you say name it claim it blab it grab it you know things like that and uh the, the bible says that by faith we know that the worlds were framed by the word of god so basically our words are designed to frame our environment and yes a negative confession can limit god a positive on confession just like faith authorizes god to move on our behalf and a negative confession can hinder god okay so uh, when you think confession think more about faith so when you have faith does faith really do anything for god no faith if you have faith you have faith for yourself okay but then the faith really uh, enables god or authorizes god to be able to move uh, the way he would want to uh, big man is asking how we deal with praying with faith in our heart and doubts in our head oh boy okay yes okay let me just quickly say this as we wrap up you can have doubts in your head with faith in your heart now how is that possible in your heart you know that god's word is true but in your head but in your head so many things don't make sense all right because our mind works by reason all right so in your head so many things don't make sense and you don't even know how it is going to come to pass you don't know how it is going to come to pass uh but in your heart you know that god's word is true and god cannot fail okay so these are two completely different arena um when you look at the story of abraham the bible says abraham was not weak in faith right let's just quickly take a look at that and uh, and then we we'll wrap up please just stay with me everyone let's look at romans chapter 4 and verse 19 it says about abraham and not being weak in faith he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of sarah's womb sounds interesting now we're going to read one scripture and then we're going to try to reconcile them in hebrews chapter 11 and verse 11 it says by faith sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised hold on a minute this scripture in hebrews 11 11 is telling us that sarah had faith and that sarah judged god faithful but because of time i know that most of us know the story when god came to meet abraham in the plains of mamre in genesis chapter 19 the bible is clear that when sarah overheard god she laughed but here in hebrews it's telling us that sarah had faith so think about it it's either the writer of hebrews did not really know the story <laughs> or you know it is possible that uh you can have faith in your heart and have doubt in your head so when you look at genesis 18 
from verse 12 it says therefore sarah laughed within herself saying after i have grown old shall i have pleasure my lord being also old okay so this was reason like this doesn't make sense like (laughs) okay okay well anyway you are god you can do anything okay uh so so this happens and uh because we are we are human beings but let me just close by saying this this is how faith works you i don't know how many of us have boarded a plane before but when you enter a plane you enter that plane not knowing anything about aerodynamics you enter that plane not knowing the name of the pilot you enter that plane not knowing the reputation of the pilot you enter that plane not knowing if, if the pilot is drunk okay you enter that plane not knowing any of these things but in spite of this lack of information you are willing to put your faith in the hands of the airline and the plane because you want to believe that the airline have done their diligence by recruiting responsible pilots good pilots and they have checked all their engines to make sure that everything is working properly and even though you don't understand aerodynamics you just believe that when you enter that plane for some reason it's going to move for some reason after a while it's going to be in the air and for some reason after a while you are going to get to your destination so in your head there's lots of gaps you don't know how this works okay but you still have enough faith to get on that plane how do we reconcile that well the the thing is the mind is separate from uh it, it functions separately from the spirit and that is why how do i put it how, how how do i break it down again it it's just like it's just like going to an eatery you may have doubts right about how the food was prepared but you still have enough faith to eat the food. Okay, you may have doubts. You don't know who cooked the food. You don't know under what circumstances, but you are hungry enough to be willing to eat the food. So when we say you can have faith in your heart and doubt in your head, it's more that the doubts are because the information you have may not be adding up in the sense that logically, mentally, it's not making sense. And so you are doubting the facts. You are doubting, okay, it's just... uh, you know, you are, you are doubting the facts of the matter, but you do not doubt the ability of God to bring it to pass. Okay, so that, that's what it means, really. It, it doesn't mean that your mind is telling you, no, God cannot do this. No, so when people say you can have faith in your heart and doubt in your in your mind, remember that that is not even a scriptural terminology. It's it's a preacher's terminology. Okay, so I am trying to explain what I believe the preacher meant by saying that. Okay, but it's not it's not in the Bible. You can't find it in the Bible where it says you can have faith in your heart and have doubt in your mind. So um, I think if you cannot reconcile it, then it's better you discard it and just stick with having faith in your heart. Uh, Talking about a double-minded man, it's referring more to instability. Okay? Uh, It's talking more about instability. Like, um, let's put it this way. You are trusting God for a job. And then you are trying to decide whether you should pray about it or you should bribe the employer. 
that is a double-minded man you have not decided what you want to do okay it's so it's not saying that um it's not saying that faith must always be absolute before we can get results from god otherwise i don't think many people will get results from god okay but when the bible uh, when, when the bible talks about a double-minded man it's talking about instability it's it's clear it says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways okay it's like uh a sheep tossed about you are here today you are there tomorrow so let me give you another example today you are in church meeting pastors to pray for you tomorrow you are with a native doctor uh the next thing you are you are doing uh you are, you are going to meet palm readers and all of that that is a double-minded man that is completely different that kind of person does not have enough faith in anything or in any system today you are calling malams to pray for you tomorrow you are calling pastors to pray for you uh the day after tomorrow you are meeting native doctors so these are people that they don't even have enough faith in any of the systems they are just trying to uh cover all their bases just in case anyone is going to work okay so that is completely different um if if you are doing god and then you are doing native doctor at the same time that proves that that is not that is not uh that is not uh, doubt in your head that proves that you don't even have enough faith in god to fix the situation and so you are looking for alternatives